making preparation. We're still hearing the shout of our King. The token's been applied. He's cleaning from inside. And the dove leads the lamb once again. And the dove leads the lamb once again. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a privilege for us to be gathered together here again today in the presence of God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, if you would, verse 1. Certainly appreciate blessings of the Lord, each of you that are here with us today, different visitors that are here with us from Brother Benton's day yesterday of celebration. We're so happy for our brother. God's given him these years of life and years to be able to serve him. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. I've been speaking to you for a bit on the bride's bill of rights. And today I'd like to start off at least with the right to have one mind. Now you can really know that I believe in miracles. If I believe that the bride's ever going to have one mind. But I do believe that because it's God's word. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, let me read to you the meaning of this word. The Greek word is hom os o madon. Hom os o madon. And it means with one accord, with one mind, with one passion. Now listen, now with one accord, one mind, and one passion. A unique Greek word used 10 of its 12 times in the New Testament occurrences in the book of Acts. Now listen to this further explanation of what it really means. It's a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. To rush along and in unison. The image is musical. A number of notes sounded, which while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. So I'd like for Brother Larry to demonstrate to us what some people have in their minds about themselves and the body and going to church and all of that. So Brother Larry is going to play for us one note for a few bars of music. Now that's the way some people want to serve the Lord. Now you've got all those keys on that piano, all those strings. The beautiful music it can make. And some people want to be a single note. Now, Brother Larry, take both hands 
and spread out at least six fingers and put those notes together and make a chord. Now, I want you to listen to what the meaning of it is. The image is musical, a number of notes, a number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. Now play it for us. Ah, go ahead. preacher was just like, he played that for us. <laughs> now, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But to me, the latter one sounds so much more beautiful, so much more full. Now, they were the same notes and different pitch, but they're harmonizing together. So what does it take? All them different fingers to make that possible. Notice again in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, as it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. Oh my goodness, it must have been Pentecostals, wasn't it? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now read with me also in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Romans 15, 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded, one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth. Now, even though it's two different English words, accord and mind, but it's the exact same Greek word here that Paul is telling the saints in Rome, in Rome to be able to have, that they would have one mind or be in one accord. I mean, let to be remembered today as we pray. Me too. Lord Jesus, as we have assembled here today, and Father, we heard just a bit ago that Sister Judy Dyer had crossed over and Brother Lloyd Walls had requested prayer for a sister from their church and she had also passed this morning. So while we were preparing to get ready to come to church, two more of your children crossed over into that land beyond the river. Father, we know that's what we're all headed toward. And we believe that you've sent us a message in the last days that would help us to be ready for that hour. We're asking today for your divine help. Help me, Jesus, to get out of the way. Father, speak through these lips of clay. If there's anything of eternal value that'll come out of this service today, it'll certainly have to be you that does it. So we commit the, commit the speaker and the hearers, everyone visible and invisible, Lord, together 
into your great hands. Have your way in this service. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure for most of you it is the same as it is with me. It's hard to imagine living in a world that was a paradise to where everything was in complete harmony. There was no dissension, no division, no one arguing, fussing, debating over difference of opinions, and there was no difference at all in the sense of controversial difference such a harmony that was existing in the Garden of Eden. And yet, we don't know exactly how long that it lasted, but we are certain of this. It will be restored again, and it will last forever. But since that fall of what man forfeited for all of us in the Garden of Eden, we are striving to have a real oneness back. And God, of course, first established a oneness in the hearts of his people by his death on Calvary that would be able to bring back in us the divine nature that we had lost in the Garden of Eden. When we were at one time one with God, so man was one with God, he was one with his wife, he was one with nature, he was one with all the creation, everything existed in a a beautiful, wonderful harmony. But since then, man has struggled. Nations have struggled and are struggling today. Our nation is probably more divided today than it has been in many, many years. It's divided politically. It's divided racially. It's divided culturally. Anybody even know what the word means on our money? E pluribus unum. Anybody know what that means in Latin? E pluribus unum. one of many. So with many coming together, different cultures, different races, we would blend together to be one nationality as far as Americans. But yet in reality, our nation is so far away from even what's written on our currency every day that we handle out and we buy this and that and the other. Many don't even know what it means as far as on the bill itself. And they certainly don't know what it means as far as principle that we would be able to have one nation under God, which is the problem. Because when America turned God away, we lost all hopes of ever having a true unity anyway. Is that right? And then we know that Satan doesn't just want to do that um, nationally, but he wants to do it in the church. And we will have to say that he's been able to accomplish exactly what he set out to do. But we know also that God had purpose to be able to have a restored unity in the hearts of his people. It may seem to us that we are a million miles from true unity because even inside of our own ranks of, and and let's just look at Christianity in a global thing, we'll look at it, and we see that Christianity as a whole, it's so divided. So many different denominations, so many different views, so many different uh, schools of theology, and so many that, well, if you don't believe the way we do, you're not right, you're not going. This denomination, they're the only ones going. The other denomination, they're the only ones going. And then we bring it on down a little closer to us, 
And we realize that very same divisive spirit has got in our own ranks as well. And we know it started out to where that on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting and waiting. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now remember, Pentecost did not begin in Acts 2. The word actually means an end gathering or it was a festival of the harvest and it had been something that they had celebrated for years and years. But it just so happened that God chose to send the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. So whenever the Spirit of God began to move and they were there waiting and praying and waiting and praying and the prophet dramatizes it a little bit for us and said they were saying, well, you know what, I, I, I believe we've already got it. Another one said, no, no, we've got to do this and that. Another one said, no, we've got to do this. But he said, Peter stood up and said, now brothers, the Word has got something to say about this that Jesus told us it would come on a certain day. So they had to wait and wait the concept that I grew up in as a Pentecostal that you had to tarry and you had to wait for the Holy Ghost. Totally wrong, of course, according to the scripture. It wasn't that they had to wait for the Spirit of God to come as far as, well, you know, you just beat on the altar and beat on the altar, but there was a certain day of arrival because it was timed according to the way that the Paschal Lamb was offered. And then there would be so many days to another feast, which is the Feast of the Ingathering or the Feast of Pentecost. But we do not have to tarry in the day we're living for a certain day, for 10 days, 14 days. Is that right? Whenever we can get out of the way and die, that's when God wants to give us the Holy Ghost. But it was actually set to come on this certain day. And they must have had difference of opinions because to be honest, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. The Lord Jesus had slowly begun to unveil what the spirit of truth would be. But he still didn't explain to them what the baptism of the Holy Ghost would be like. John said, there's one among you. And he said, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But he still didn't go into any details. What does that mean exactly, John? John might not have known himself since he got it before he was ever born. So he wasn't even conscious of it. So to explain the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I've not found those scriptures in the four gospels where it actually said, well, it'll be this way and that way and that way. It's just like he said, it's coming, be ready, be open. And whenever it gets there, you'll know you've got it. So they really didn't know what to look for. They didn't know if it would be an outburst of joy. The Bible did not tell them it was going to be a Russian mighty wind. Jesus never told them that y'all are going to be sitting in one place and a wind will come down. But he said, just go tarry in Jerusalem until you be a dude with power from on high. So no doubt it took them a little bit of time because a lot of the men that were there were preachers. And naturally, the more preachers you get together, the more different confusion you can have sometimes and the more difference of opinion that you can have. Not always, but yet we're all made different. And when you, once you look at the diversity of God, God never made ever even one, ever one of his preachers that they'd always be exactly the same. But there is a oneness that I believe before we leave this world in a rapture, every member of the bride of Christ will have. Now, does that mean every one of us will start saying the exact same thing and will all worship with the exact same element of, of, of 
emotion and all that? No, I do not believe that for one minute. I don't believe we can prove that by the Bible. But I do believe we can all have one passion and we can ultimately have one desire and that desire is to be ready and to get every member whose name is on that book of life into the economy of God. Is that right? And will we have other interests? Of course we will. Will we have even other passions? We will. But they will not be the majority of the drive that's in our soul. Some of you are business people and you will always be thinking about different ways to do this or that. The musicians we have in our church and the songs that the singers sing. They will always be listening for new songs and they'll be finding new progressions and the chords and the brothers will be practicing this and that. That's just something about human beings. And will we ever be always be the same in that sense? Never. But I believe with all of my heart God will have a people on this earth around the world that will have the same drive, the same goals, the same passion, the same baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're not interested in building any man's kingdom. They're not interested in making this one preacher the great big guy among us and everybody else is nobody. Nope. I don't believe we'll ever get to that spot, but we will be at that spot to where we know that there is one great big one among us and his name is the Lord Jesus. It's not any other preacher. It's not any other man. You believe that as well? Now, Paul knew, he was not there, of course, on the day of Pentecost, but Paul knew, no doubt he had been told about it from the different brethren, and once he had his own experience with God, he had experienced a oneness. Now, remember, he was totally different than the rest of all the brothers. His experience was a little bit different. The Bible doesn't say that whenever Paul met him on the way to Damascus, that there was a rushing mighty wind. So the rushing mighty wind is not the evidence of the Holy Ghost, but a changed life is, a life that follows the word. So there was no rushing mighty wind in any of the other instances that I've found in the book of Acts. Yet there was tongues, there was prophecy, and there was different things like that. So God never chose the wind to be the definite evidence of the Holy Ghost. He never chose shouting to be the definite evidence. He never chose running, and yet we believe in all of those things, but we know that God dealt with his people in such a way that it must have changed them where they all found themselves wanting some of the same things about the kingdom of God. And it must have been totally overwhelming when Satan saw what God did because he had been among the 12 disciples and he had heard them arguing which one is going to be the greatest. Now, which one of us is going to be able to sit on your right-hand side and which one's on your left and which one's the second, you know, down and the third down? He had heard them arguing and debating about that and got among them and anointed them, of course. And whenever he saw that disappear from among them same men that had it before, he must have been in total bewilderment trying to understand what in the world happened to them. Are not these the same guys that was arguing about who had the biggest ministry and who had the most that streamed them on YouTube? That's the way we'd say it today. And how many had the, the boat and the most followers? And how many countries will stream your services versus how many stream ours? Well, when you hear that kind of talk, you know you're listening to men and read the Holy Ghost. 
I don't care if they've been preaching for 75 years. Once we get the true mind of Christ, we realize it's not how big we are. It's not how big our church is. It's not how many people that we reach. It's about us all getting together and we can single out that one note if we want to or we can put all of it together and play chords and let it be a beautiful, harmonious orchestra that God himself ordained before the foundation of the world. It must have been beautiful when the first church started out with such a thing. And they found themselves in such commonality that what they did was the rich saw what they had and they just had a common purse and they began to delve it out among the people. It must have been beautiful. But you know what? Satan saw that and he decided there ain't no way I'm gonna let this go. So he started bringing in division. It started out maybe in a very small way, but we see by the time it rolls on down into the third church age that they had so divided and split among themselves. I find the same thing among us today. I say it I, I, with sadness in my heart, but yet I really believe in spite of all of that that God is going to bring the real bride of Christ back to that true oneness that fell on the day of Pentecost itself. To where there will be preachers all over the earth, and this will be the miraculous part about it. Many of them will not even know each other and that will be a wonderful thing but what will even be greater than that is some of them will know each other and they will know how they disagree with each other and they still will have one common goal now that is a miracle because they know well I differ with brother so and so on this and I differ with that but in reality when we all sit down and if we've all got the Holy Ghost and we've all got one passion and one desire and one main goal and one made achievement, don't we really agree on more than we disagree on? Now we might shout a different way and some might do this and some's music, you know, they might just play all the old hymns and they don't want no new stuff. There'll always be those things among us, but in reality, whenever we sit down and I love to have fellowship with brethren to when you can go to talking about the good things of God and you'll, you know, want to pull out a little quote and he's got a little agenda behind that and another one will pull out a little quote and he's got a little point he's trying to make and you know whenever you realize well they don't want to go that way they don't want to go on this agenda or that narrative and you get right back to the mainstream it's absolutely awesome let me say that about you, know, you visitors you pardon me for a moment but our church here I wonder what God could do among us if we ourselves as word of life if we would hone down and focus on really what matters in life. And when it comes right down to it, it's not how many cars you've got, how many trucks you've got, how much money you've got, how much money you're going to leave for your kids to fuss about when you're gone, but it's actually going to amount to our calling God and what God ordained us to do and what God ordained us to be and us letting our light shine. I wonder if we wouldn't find that we're in more agreement than what we actually disagree on. I wonder if everyone who claims this 
this church to be your home church. If we could leave this place today and desire to have one mind, because this is your right. Now it's up to you whether or not you get it. It's up to me whether or not I get it. And I've done found out, you know, many, many years ago, in order to have one mind, you're going to have to give up some things. You're actually going to have to relinquish some things that might be what you think is a value. But when you look at the true value and you let the true value outweigh the others. Many of you have heard me tell it and I tell it sometimes whenever me and Carol will be out and we have six granddaughters as, as most of y'all know three sets of twins so we bought lots of girls clothes and we bought lots of girls little tights and lots of girls this and that and the other. So years ago we was at TJ Maxx and this uh, woman kept seeing us come in there buying two of this and two of that and two of something else. So she asked me the question one day, don't you ever get anything? So I said, well, ma'am, actually, when we got married, how many ever years ago it was then that I told her that? It's been 50 now. It'll be 51 in July. And I told her, you know, whenever we got married, say 40, 45 years ago, whatever it was, we decided that everything was going to be 50-50. $50 for her, 50 cents for me. I'm surprised your sisters didn't say amen. And your brother's hoping and praying to God they don't, right? But whenever you look at it and you realize even in your home, now those of you that are married and you know that peace is a wonderful thing, but to be able to attain peace in your home, you're gonna have to give up some things. And there may be days that you're actually right in your side of the argument, but then you go to weigh being right versus losing three days of peace in your home now, you single folks will catch this by and by when the morning comes. And when you wake up and realize you got married, you realize what I'm talking about today. You're looking at me funny, but all these married folks have got that little smirky grin because they've done been there and done that. And you realize peace is a great thing. And it's the same way when it comes to us as the family of God. But many people, that it's not peace that matters, it's their own way and their right and it don't make no difference what they've got to do to hold on to it, they're gonna hold on to it. I personally feel sorry for people like that because they will never have very much of what God wants them to have because it's all self-centered. It's about me and mine and ours and our church and our family and what I believe and what I, but you know what? When you look at it according to the word, you realize one mind is only achievable when we can all have one father, one nature, and one birth. Now, I'm the oldest of seven kids. All my siblings are totally different from me. Carol is the oldest of eight. All of her siblings are totally different from her. And it's the same way in the family of God that we sit here today and we come from different colors, different racial backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, and we have things that have molded us and made us to what we are. Some of us are more emotional than others. Some of you cry a lot. Some of you shout a lot. Some of you pout a lot. Well, glory. Some of you don't make a whole lot of emotion in church but you give all your emotion to volleyball and basketball and baseball. I don't understand that kind of experience myself. My God is bigger than a piece of pigskin kicked around at a 50-yard line. 
My God is bigger than Michael Jackson or some other star out there dribbling down the court. My God is a resurrection and a life and I've always wanted to praise him and serve him, but I've come to realize God don't want me to make people that will be like me. God wants me to help mold into them what he wants them to be, not what I think they should be. Somebody say amen. And you see, one of the worst mistakes we make is whenever we get this image in our mind of this one particular person, oh, that's the perfect Christian right there. And then we go to trying to make everybody else just like them. Well, God does not agree with that concept. Now, let's go on if you would. Whenever Paul went to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, and he said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Wow, Paul believed in miracles too. <laughs> that you all speak the same thing. Now this is our rights. This is our rights that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Now, again, same English word, but certainly not the same Greek word. So this again is nous, which is understanding the higher powers of the soul the faculty of perceiving divine things. This is the only way this will ever be attainable is for every true born again, Holy Ghost filled child of God to have the same nuos. Well, whose nuos will it be? It won't be mine and it won't be yours. It'll have to be the mind of God. So then God projects in us his own mind, which is his own will. Now you remember when the Spirit of God spoke to the prophet and he said, pick up your pen and write. And he said, here is the secret that the bride has the word, but she has the mind of Christ to know what he wants done with the word. So we could all have the word and yet have hundreds of different opinions on what God wants done with his word. We do. That's why we have such divisions among us. So some would pick out certain quotes and they would say, well, this is the emphasis right here. This is the bride's revival. And boy, we've had so many so-called bride revivals. And so they begin to focus on this gathering of quotes and they say, this is it right here. Oh, everybody around the world. This is what we all rally around. And you see most of them wind up where they started following a man because every one of them started with some man's idea. And then they wind up up gathering around a man, then that man will have to go out to promote this idea, and then churches will start following him, and in time you'll find the exact same cycle that it's always been. It dwindles down and it blows away, and then you find them looking for another man. Well, I don't know about you, I've found the man that I have been looking for a long time ago. I thank God for every man of God, but I'm not looking for any man to bring me a revival in his briefcase. I'm not looking, I'm, I don't know about you folks, I'm not waiting to our special meeting in the last week of June to be able to have a good time. I'm here today. You're here today. God's here today. I say we have church. 
I'll say we have church. Believe it or not, it's a special meeting right here today because God is gathered here with the saints of God in the house of God. And if we could bring our mind together in one accord, I wonder what God would do. As a matter of fact, I found it in studying this that the prophet said, if everybody in this place would come together in one mind and one accord in five minutes time, there would not be one sick person left among us in five minutes time and we're waiting on God and God is waiting on us. But if Satan can sideline us and get us on a little agenda to where we begin to wait to hear the preacher with our certain cliches and our certain magic words, you know what I'm talking about? And we're waiting and we'll see what quotes that he reads and if he goes to say in our certain words, then we know he's on board with us. Well, what you mean is he's on board with your idea. And then I wonder how much that we also miss the moving of the Holy Ghost and people come in bound and leave bound. They come in sick and they leave sick. They come in miserable and leave more miserable. I don't think that's what God has in mind for church. Can anybody say amen? I believe the Lord Jesus is here to heal the sick today. I believe he's here to fill with the Holy Ghost and if you're lost, I believe he's here to save you right here today. You can walk out of this place a brand new man or a new woman if we can come together in one mind and one accord. Or you can sit there in your chair and just plink on your little notes. And you can go on and on over and over again. Or you can be able to get together with this one and with that 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 one. And depending on how long your fingers are, you might be able to even go beyond six. And then if you put them together with another and another and another, what could God do? I'll tell you what he's fixing to do. He's fixing to raise the dead. He's fixing to bring back limbs that have been missing. These ain't my words. Before the bride goes home in a rapture, I believe that short, quick work will be, and there will be people who's got arms that are gone that will be recreated again. Don't you understand what that is? It's a forerunner of the resurrection. Hallelujah. There may be people that's bound with diabetes for years and somebody that's missing an eye. And if God God could get us together, not following this man, not following that man, following this one up here. We love one another. We're striving together for one common cause. Let God be the preeminent one. Let us get out of the way. Let us get out of the picture and let's see what he will do among us. Oh my. That ye be perfectly joined together. You know, Paul was such a diverse man and very, very educated man. He would use examples of warfare and he would use examples in so many ways. And these words right here, he's using examples of actually building. And he's using the example of a man that would tank and the way they would do it in their day and join boards together. 
and they would take a tenon and they would put it together. So he was laying it out that that's exactly what God wants, that we would be perfectly joined together. Now you can't see it, of course, but this pulpit made by one of the brothers here in the church and here's one board, here's another, here's another, here's another, here's another, and they're all put together, joined perfectly together. Yet I run my hand across it and I don't feel one board and another board and another board because they were joined together then run through a planer and they make one beautiful image. Oh, when God can get us out of the way and our own little petty ideas of this and that and the other and join with this brother and that sister and this brother and that sister and God run us through the divine machine. Look out, devil, here we come. You talking about a church that will stand in the last day and then we will be able to say, I and my father are one. Not only will we say that, but we will say, I and my brother are one. Oh yes, we disagree. We may not agree on this little point and that little point, but God is going to have a people together on the earth before the rapture time who will be in one objective and one passion and one main desire of their life. And what's that for? To fulfill the word of God for our age. I don't want to just quote the Bible. I don't want to just quote the message. I want to be the Bible. I want to be an expression of God's word. Oh my. Notice that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Recognizing goodness and hating evil, the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. That you be of the same mind in the same judgment. Second Corinthians 13, 11, finally brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort. Be of, how many minds? One mind. Same English word, but here a different Greek word as well. Phronio, to have an opinion of oneself. To think of oneself to be modest. Not let one's opinion, though just of himself, exceed the bounds of modesty. Wow. So when Paul is telling them to have one mind, this man's speaking about several diverse things, isn't he? So you've got to think the same thing of the cause of God and the purpose of God. And then you have to look at yourself and not think, boy, I'm something. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm, boy, can I sing? Woo, boy, I can sing. Boy, I can play the guitar. Boy, I can play that organ. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. Am I a preacher or what? You see, a person who has that mind of themselves will never truly be able to be one with other people unless those other people are constantly flattering him. Oh, Jesus, you're going to get me in trouble now, sir. (laughs) Notice in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or else be absent that I may hear of your affairs. 
that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One spirit, one mind, striving together. Now we say that we have been restored to the faith of the original apostolic fathers. Have we? We have one striving, one faith. <laughs> Philippians 2.2, 2, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife, contention, electioneering, or intriguing for office. Oh, wow. So you mean politics is in the church? So there were actually politicians in the first church age, and they were electioneering for positions in the church. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so don't let anything be done in strife electioneering or intriguing for office, a desire to put oneself forward, a partisan and fractious spirit which does not disdain low arts. In other words, they will go to whatever means possible to get a position. No wonder the prophet said politics is of the devil. Well, let me just tell you, not just the kind in the White House, but in the church house. Amen, Brother Donnie. Oh, my, my. Notice he says, in strife or vain glory. Vain glory, groundless self-esteem, empty pride of vain opinion. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem, notice, others better than himself. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Loneliness of mind. Now, Paul's given us the key to be able to gain what is rightfully ours. But we'll have to fight for it, of course. First Peter 3 and 8, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. First Peter 4, 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Now let's turn in Psalm 133, verse 1. Same train of salt, but a different word now. Unity. How many believes we need unity if we ever had it before? Now I know you know it, friends, but Satan is trying his best to come among the people of God like never before. Not only in the church family, but in between husbands and wives, 
in between parents and children, in between the youth. Satan is trying to divide among our ranks to where certain youth youth leaders are projecting certain things and other church leaders are saying, no, we're not sending our youth to them meetings no more. If they're going that way, don't you see who the author of all of that is? It's the devil. And I believe with all of my heart that for the majority of the men that I know anyway, the majority of them want the same thing. They desire the same thing. They want people to be closer to God. They want people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But if Satan can sideline us and we go to majoring on a minor, I don't care what the minor is, and Satan don't either. As long as you go to majoring on it, you're gonna mess up the program of God. But if we could say, okay, well, we disagree on this and that, but can't we agree on the blood of Jesus saves us? Can't we agree on sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost? And we'd say, yes, there's so much we agree on. But we tend to focus more so on what we disagree on than what we agree on. I'm reminded of Geronimo whenever he was on the train and they were sending him down to Florida and removing him because our government made a treaty with him and they lied to him as most white men speak with forked tongue. And whenever they did that and they lied to them and then there was the scouts which had actually worked for the federal government and they were the Apache Indians. And whenever they got them and then they took their rank away from them, they took their arms away from them and they throwed them right on the same train and made them prisoners just like they did Geronimo and his band. And some of those men, they absolutely hated those trackers. They hated them because them Apaches led them to their secret hideout in the Cherokees and in the desert southwest. So some of those men looked at them and they hated them. But Geronimo looked and he talked to his brothers and he said, there are so few of us left. There are so few of us left. Let us try to be able to get along. And you say, here is a man that looks at his culture. They had lived there for hundreds and hundreds of years. His land taken away from it by the white people. And the prophet said, the white man is the renegade. And as a white man, I can say that because I was, but I ain't no more. I'm a saved white man. What about the rest of you white folks? Oh, well, just tell you now, the renegade runs in the white culture. So we think somehow we're superior. You ain't superior just cause your skin's lighter than somebody else. You're as lost as lost can be till you find Jesus. Come on, somebody, say amen. But yet here they were, they had lost their wives, they had lost their children, and now they're still arguing, you done this, you done that. But Geronimo being a real leader, he realized they needed one another more than they ever had before. Let me tell you this, we are losing in our ranks every day. Every day they're being called across the river and people are falling away. I believe we need one another now more than ever before. We ought to be determined that we are not going 
going to allow the devil to divide us. You think we're going to have one special section in heaven where only word of life church lives? Where only word of life saints live? So you can live down Glory Avenue where it joins together with Faith Avenue and Temperance Avenue and then somebody else from another church lives down another avenue. There ain't going to be no divisions in heaven. There ain't going to be no where you can't live. And Come on somebody. I believe the real bride of Christ the prophet tells us before she gets ready to leave this world in a rapture. She will be like those people were that he saw in the sixth dimension. And what did that voice tell him that was there? He said this is what you preached was perfect love. This is what you preached was the Holy Ghost. Were they different? Yes they were different. Did they have different backgrounds? Yes they did. But they had one Christ. They had one common goal. They had one main passion of their life and that is to let their light so shine before men that men might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. They desired to fulfill his word. They desired to be able to reach out to the law. Come on, preach with me this morning. Even if they don't go to our church, I'm willing to pray for any man, any woman, any boy, any girl. If I can lead them to Christ, even if they never darken this church door and they're not bright, if I can lead them to the Lord Jesus and they wind up being a foolish virgin, I will be identified with that person for eternity. Hallelujah. If I can lay my hands on somebody, I don't care if they got bobbed hair. I don't care if they got makeup on. I don't care if they ain't even dressed right. If I can lay hands on them and let Jesus heal them, it might be the bait that'll bring them to the word of God. Let's reach out. Let's love. Let's show mercy. Let's show passion. Let's show the grace of God. That's what we're called to do. Psalm 133, one. A song of degrees of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Anybody know historically the time frame when this particular psalm is written? Let me tell you, there's been a civil war in Israel between the house of Saul and the house of David. That civil war has now finally been settled. And the tribes are gathering under the headship of God's choice of being king. And the spirit of God moves upon David's heart And he pins this psalm, Psalm 133. As he looks out and he sees from his capital city the tribes harmonizing together. Instead of being amazing grace, it's amazing grace. 
And he looks across the land and he sees the people of God coming together for what God called them to do. And he says, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment. Glory. Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Now that would be such a peculiar way for us to look at this about unity. Now the composition of this oil that he's referring to, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, it is like the precious ointment. So he says the precious ointment that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. So he's talking about the holy anointing oil, which was a composition of, listen to this now, sweet cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia, lignea, and olive oil. One, two, three, four, five. Five elements, or can I say five-fold. So you pour in a little bit of pastor and a little bit of evangelist and a little bit of teacher and a little bit of prophet and a little bit of evangelist and you got sweet anointing oil. Hallelujah. Now remember this was sacred. This smell could not be among the the, the laity. The only person that could wear this was the chosen anointed ones of God. So David looks at this of what God has now done that the body has finally come in to a unison because with these two leaders, so-called, it was dividing the body of God. It was dividing them. Whose side you are? I'm on Saul's side. Oh, you unbeliever, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Whose side? I'm on David's side. Well, the Lord sent the prophet Samuel over to David. Well, he also sent him over to Saul. I'll tell you one thing. I'm still sending with Saul. Well, I'm on this side. I'm on that side. The devil said, glory to God. I can go down in hell and eat a moon pie and drink an RC. I don't even have to do nothing to these people. They're just fighting one another. Ain't it a shame that preachers do the same thing? They get up in the pulpit and they blast this guy and blast that guy and I know some need to be blasted but instead of following the leading of the Holy Ghost well we've got to fix this and fix that you know what if we get anointed with this true anointing from the presence of God God leads us to deal with something let's deal with it and move on let's deal with it and move on there's more to the gospel friend there's more to eating the lamb than just the head when they had to eat the lamb they had to eat the whole thing you got to take the leg and you got to take the head and you gotta take the net and you gotta take the rest of the body that's the way Christ the word is I don't want just healing I don't want just predestination I want election I want sanctification I want baptism of the Holy Ghost I want the placing of a son I want the whole land to you Now remember these ingredients were given to the apothecary. God was the one that gave them the exact ratio. Now if the apothecary would have preferred 
a little bit of cinnamon more than cassia. He could have totally altered the smell of the anointing oil. Yet, he could have said, I'm saying I've got exactly what the prophet of God said. Hallelujah. But what he didn't say was that he kept majoring on a minor. So if God gave them and said, now I tell you what I want you to do, this is what I want you to mix it. I want you to mix a tablespoon of sweet cinnamon. And I want you to have a tablespoon and a half of sweet cassia. And then I want you to have a half a teaspoon of olive oil, because a little goes a long way. And then they said, well, I, I took every word, glory to God, I've studied this out, I'll tell you one thing. Well, maybe they did. But it was just the ratio, the ratio. And then when they go to anointing the people with it, and the people come up and they go to anointing them because that's what the preacher's doing. He's anointing the people and he's throwing that holy oil right out on the people and the people's hearing it, but the ratio don't match the original word. And they go, now we don't believe in gifts here at our church. We don't believe in no emotion at our church. Ah, your preacher mixed up the ratio, didn't it? Well, come on, somebody. Well, glory to God, I'll tell you one thing. We believe in the gifts more than we believe in healing. We believe, well, we're, we're really focusing on that. That's not the correct ratio. Now, notice how it comes once it's all mixed together and then shake it all up together. Don't worry, I'm not going to open it. I ain't that dumb. I think it'd blow up like a time bomb, wouldn't it? <laughs> then you say, come here now. So he take the lid off. You anoint Aaron and the rest of the priest. And what you notice, they didn't sprinkle them. They didn't sprinkle them. But there was enough oil to run from the top of their head, down their face, on their beard and dripped off the beard to the skirt, S-K-I-R-T. It's not like you women wearing skirts, but it's a Hebrew word which actually means the opening of the bottom garment. So it would have been like the waistline. So the oil comes right down their hair, down on their face, right down on their beard, and was running down on their body, remember, over the Urim Thummim, which had the names of the tribes. You see, God wants a priesthood, preachers, that are so anointed from the presence of God that when they come out from the presence of the Lord, the anointing will start running down over the congregation. It'll come down over their names, and then they become, oh, hallelujah, they also become anointed because that man has been in the presence of the Lord. Oh God, give us men like that. Give us song leaders like that. Give us people like that to say, God, we need your anointing to live in this day. As the dew of Hermon. Wow. The dew of Hermon. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Now here we're still talking about brothers dwelling together in this unity. Now for us, dew means something totally different than them. 
I don't know if you've ever studied on dew or not. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant which begins in the book of Genesis. It was part of the patriarchal blessing whenever they laid their hands on their sons and they'd say, may you have the dew from heaven. Now to us, it means a different thing because of where we live here in Tennessee. We've got all kinds of rains, right? But there in Palestine, they didn't and still don't. So dew was a sign of the blessings of God. Isn't it amazing? Oh, how we love rain. Have you ever noticed how loud rain can be? But have you ever noticed how quiet dew is? I love rain. Woo, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah. But boy, I love that dew too. Don't you love them dew drops from heaven where they just come down and they just appear and you don't know exactly even where they come from, but all you know is you walk out of church soaking wet. You didn't run, you didn't jump, you didn't shout, and you say, well, Lord, I, I don't guess I got nothing out of service. And you walk out of there and you feel like you weigh five pounds heavier than you did before, and you're walking out and say, praise God, I feel refreshed. It was due, Brother Johnson. You know, some of the ancient travelers wrote about the dew of Hermon. And they say, even to this day, of course, it's one of the very few places in, in, in Israel to where they actually get snow. I saw a picture of the day video. It's just part of the northern part there, elevation pretty high. And whenever these travelers would travel through there, they would have to absolutely waterproof their tents because whenever they would come out in the morning, it was as if though it had rained all night long. And there wasn't no thunder going on. There wasn't no lightning going on. There wasn't nobody jumping or nobody shouting. Now we believe in all that. I love rain, but I love dew. Don't you? I love the dew drops of mercy so bright. Sometimes, to be honest with you, I don't need a thunderstorm. Sometimes I just need a calm drenching from the dews of Hermon to where something just pulls your soul in the presence of God and there ain't hardly no noise going on and there ain't hardly no shouting going on and you're sitting there in the presence of God and you just get up to walk out and you just say glory to God and your clothes are just drenched. Your soul is drenched. What is it? It's the dew of the Abrahamic covenant. He's going to be there when you need him in them storms. Thank God for them Pentecostal storms. But thank God. You know what the word there means? It's the mist in the night. That's what the dew is. The mist in the night. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes when you're all tore up, a thunderstorm will scare you even worse. But when you're in the middle of your night, maybe some of you there today, you're going through the office time in your life and you don't know what to do. And you're praying for God to move and you're listening, you're listening. Oh my, I'm listening for the thunder. I'm waiting for the lightning. God may not choose out at all. God may catch you right here in this service today and let the dew drops from mercy start dropping right down on your soul and lift you out of that darkness. And when you wake up in the morning, you realize the dew from Hermon. as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. 
Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, verse 11. And he gave some sweet cinnamon and some calamus and some olive oil. Glory. Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till Paul gave us the time frame when we would no longer need preachers. Wanna know when it is? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Oh, Brother Donnie, that's why we just play tapes, because all the tape people believe the same thing. Apparently, you ain't talked to very many of them. I ain't found very many who believe the same thing. They're as divided, they ain't even got no preacher leading them. They got businessmen. That's what a lot of them's got. They're as divided and split as they can be. Don't sit there and look at me and say, well, that's the answer. That is not the answer. God could have had the tape recorder invented 2,000 years ago. He could have had Paul's voice recorded if that's what he wanted. He started it out with low down, sorry, rotten human beings that he filled with the Holy Ghost and called them to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But Brother Donnie, they have mistakes. They match you. Why in the world would you want a perfect pastor? I wouldn't even fit with you all. If I was a perfect pastor, what in the world would I want with a perfect prophet? He wouldn't line up with me because I ain't perfect. But I needed a man that was like I was. I needed a savior that would become like I was. A savior that did not come as a God, but come as a man. (sighs) Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me say this in closing. If Almighty God does not accomplish this verse, how can I have any confidence in Malachi 4? if he can't fulfill Ephesians 4. But I ain't the least bit worried about it, are you? Anybody here today nervous that this scripture ain't gonna be fulfilled? It's gonna be fulfilled, my brother and sister. It'll be one of the greatest miracles that has ever swept the earth after the fall. That God will bring preachers around the world into the unity of the faith. Many of them have been through this and that and the other and they've learned and they've corrected and you know, we, we've all been that way. But well, you don't just judge them by what they were. You look and see what their motives are now, what they're trying to accomplish. And God will sweep the earth with one mind. Can you imagine that every member of the bride around the world will have one mind? So God from the throne room projects one thought Today is rapture day. Everybody with that same mind will think the same thought. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. So we not only want the mind of Christ, but we want to have the same mind as our brothers and sisters, as long as they have the right mind. Thank you, Lord. So how will God ever accomplish such a thing? I don't want you to think me weird, but I've been looking about people who have transplants, heart, liver, things like that. And I found so interesting. I've been asked questions along them lines over the years. Actually, people wanting to know, would it be okay to have a heart transplant? Is that where your soul's at? You know, all that. But I never looked at it like I have in the last bit. And what I found was so amazing was that a percentage of people who would have a liver transplant, more so the heart, but when they would get someone else's heart, they would actually start having memories. And one example I'll share with you this morning was an an eight-year-old girl that needed a heart. A 10-year-old girl got murdered and they took her heart and put it inside this body of this eight-year-old girl. This eight-year-old girl started having nightmares and dreams that someone was after her. And she saw the face of this man and the clothes he was wearing. And as they started researching it and she was so troubled she could not get away from it, so actually they got the law involved in it. And through the dreams of this girl with this transplanted heart, they actually found the murderer of that 10-year-old girl from the memory that was restored, started rather, in that heart she received. Another one, her appetite was changed of things that she liked to eat. I mean, there's one story after another, after another. I find that very interesting. But what I find more interesting than that is, and what the scientists have said for years and years is the only part that can remember in your body is your brain, but now they're having to rethink this, thinking that in your cells, cellular memory, and also DNA memory and mRNA memory, that they're saying it's stored not only in your brain, but in your organs. So I begin to think, Well, if somebody would get somebody else's heart and it would change their appetite. So a woman got a a heart and whenever she come out of the heart surgery and she got well, she started wanting beer. She never drank beer in her life. 
but she wanted beer with chicken nuggets. I mean, it really puzzled her. She, she hated beer. But she started loving beer and chicken nuggets. She had to have her chicken nuggets with her beer. Through much research, she found out she received the heart of an 18-year-old boy. You guessed it. His favorite food, beer, and chicken nuggets. So me, in my mind, I begin to think, okay, so if that could be so in a human body, it ain't no wonder he had to come to the earth and give us his heart. And then he would take out our old stony heart, as he said in the book of Ezekiel that he would do, and give us his heart that it would change our desires. One woman, which was a devout lesbian, did not like men, a devout lesbian, got a heart transplant. But when she woke up, she didn't like women no more. Met a man, fell in love with a man, got married, had children. I said, yeah, my Jesus will do the same thing today. <laughs> so they found some of these people remembering things that they had never experienced, but they go to studying the lives of some of these people that had donated their hearts, and they was having recall of the life of someone else. So again, I think, okay, so whenever I'm sitting there and I'm hearing a prophet or some other preacher preach about, I was in God's mind before the foundation of the world. And there's a part of me that says, glory to God. What is it? He changed my heart and gave me an identity with him. Aren't you glad, Brother Randy? Aren't you glad, saints? So that if that is true, and this is his word, that will not he project to us this desire for a unison in our church body, in our families, in our homes, in our fellowship with other churches around the world. Why? Because we've all got the same heart from the same donor. So the donor's heart changes what we eat. And then we actually start thinking his thoughts. So whenever we hear the preacher stand up and read the quote in future home, that he thought of himself as being human and that transmitted him down to be Jesus. Then we have no problem within our minds going back and thinking, yeah. And then when I come to the earth, I was transmitted too. I was a thought. I've received his donor heart and his donor mind. And it helps me to think like him. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus.
Heavenly Father, as we stand here today, we're asking you, Lord, that you'd help us. Science say that they're going to have to rewrite some of their textbooks on these things that I've spoke about today. I've read some of them years ago, and I was just bewildered by it, to be honest. But as they've researched more and more in the last few years and started putting it all together, they're finding that it's true. Oh, Lord God, what a wretched, miserable condition that we were in. We were in need of a heart transplant. For our heart was filled with sin, wretched and vile. You pulled us up into the surgery room. Might have been a church altar. It might have been in a barn lot somewhere. You opened us up, took that old vile nature out, and put a portion of your own heart in us. When we woke up, we started wanting food that we hadn't liked before. Food on election and food on holiness and food on forgiveness and food on mercy. We started thinking of things that we'd never thought of before that we were in your mind before the foundation of the world. And when we hear the prophet say that we were part of those angels that did not fall in the beginning, I dare say there's not a person here today that's born again and filled with the Holy Ghost that when a preacher goes to preaching in that, they find a part of themselves roaming out in that invisible world. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's the deposit from you. Lord Jesus, if there's one here today or many, they tried to be a Christian. They've tried to do what's right. But they've done it without a heart transplant. Jesus, they don't have to come to the altar. I'll certainly pray with them if they choose to. But they can stand right there at their seat and open up their heart and let you perform a heart transplant. Unlike when science started doing it years ago, and those who was able to live was so few, until they begin to develop drugs of anti-rejection. They deemed it was not worth it to even do it. But you, once you share your heart with someone and it goes down into their soul, you've never lost a case. All of yours have a hundred percent survival rate. They don't live 10 years or 15 years. They will live for eternity. Hallelujah. 
Oh, Jesus, may your spirit go among us here today, Father. If there's any that's sick, any that needs the Holy Ghost. Lord, maybe there's some here today that needs a good shower. They just need a good dose of a good heavy rain. There may be some others that just need some dew, Lord. They're in such a trouble spot, thunder would frighten them. Lightning would work on their nerves. But may the dew from Hermon so saturate our souls here today, Father. Oh, Jesus, that when we walk out of this place, we will be drenched in the life-changing power of God. We worship you, Father. May you bring peace to troubled marriages. May you bring peace to troubled homes. May you bring unity to families, Lord, that are struggling. May you bring a greater unity to our church, Lord, and our move, O oh Lord God, around the world. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Father. Lord God, may we have one mind. May we not isolate ourselves. We know your word does not support Lone Ranger Christianity. Where we never minister to nobody else and nobody else ever ministers to us and it don't cost us nothing. That's not the way you've ordained your church. But you've ordained us to give and to give back and to minister to and be ministered to. That's your plan, Father. Oh, hallelujah. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Praise God. Maybe some of you heart recipients need a refreshing from the presence of the Lord today. Whatever you have need of, would you just raise your hands in his presence? Sing some voice. You need healing? You need a little bit of dew on your life? You need the Holy Ghost? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. We worship your Father. Go ahead, Harry. Let's worship him together now, shall we? This yearning Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord God. Reaches out to you. Lord, help us not to be no Christians. But help us to want to be core Christians. We'll be harmonized and blended. To play in the orchestra of Adonai. Oh, to Jesus. your secret place, Lord God, I bow my knees. To oh, your God. glorious throne, your have your way in my heart. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name, Father. Have your way. That's it, children. Just worship Him with all your heart now. And I will go. I will your secret place bow my knee to your glorious oh, have your way, have your way. 
reaches out to you. What is it? It's your oil of joy. It soaks me and it makes me brand new. And I will go to your secret place, bow my knee to your glorious throne. Have your way. I will go to your sacred place and I will go to your secret place. Bow my knee to your holy throne. Have your way, Lord, and have a heart here today, Jesus. Oh, Lord, have your Lord God, I need you, Holy Spirit, fire to my soul. What do you want him to do? Consume my total being. Lord Jesus, take And I will go to your secret place. Bow my knee to your glorious throne. Have your way in my heart, oh Lord. Have your way. Move I'd like for y'all if you'd do me a favor this morning. I want Brother Brad to come and pray over. If you would, just lay your hand over on the person standing by you. They may have a sickness in their body this morning. They may have a burden of their heart that's so heavy. They may have a wayward son, a wayward wife or husband or whatever it is. I just want you to pray for them now, and they're going to be praying for you. Lord, I ask Brother Brad if you would just pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord Jesus, we got hands laid on each other, Lord. Father, I just pray may the dew drops of heaven just drop on each one of us, Lord. God, we are a needy people, Lord. Father, we just need you to come up on the scene in some situations in our lives, Lord. Things are going on in our in in some of our homes, God, that nobody knows, but you know. But God, I just pray, may you move upon each individual. May you move upon each sick person, Father. May there be a healing, Lord. Father, may there be a restoration of your power in our lives. Father, Lord, restore our hearts, God. Father, give us a heart transplant, Lord, that we can only think what you think, Lord. Father, we just want you to come, Lord, because we know it's you, you, it's just you, Lord. Father, may you just drop down on us, Father. May you just change our heart, oh God. Lord, as we come into your secret place, God, we're bowed before your throne, Lord. Have your way in our lives, God. 
Father, may you move among this church, Father. Every person that attends here, Lord, God, may you move according to your perfect glory upon their lives, God. May there be saving power, God. May Holy Ghost power be given to them, Lord. May the healing power of Jehovah just be upon them, Father. Lord, we just place this in your hands, Lord. Father, may you move. God, we'll just thank you and give you all the glory because you're the only one that deserves it, Lord. You're the only person that can, we can give our praise to, Father. It's the name of the Jesus Christ, Father. We just love you. Hallelujah. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I've asked Brother Harry to sing another song for us. Let's just sing together as we worship him. Can you say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. This is your house. God bless you. Let's worship together. Father, come and dwell. This, this is your house. Oh, holy house of prayer. Where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares. This is your house. This is your house, come and dwell. This is your house, Father, come and dwell. This is your house, oh, holy house of prayer. your house come and dwell we dedicate this temple to you Lord let your glory fill the sanctuary
Holy Spirit overflow this place decorate our walls with grace and mercy let healing and redemption find searching souls Lord have your your house Father come and dwell this is your house oh, holy house of prayer where the lost and lonely bring their burdens and their care this is your house, this is your house, come and dwell, oh this is your house, Father come and dwell, this is your a holy house of prayer where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and their cares this is your house this is your house Lord come and dwell sing it as you go this morning Holy Spirit, overflow this place. Decorate our walls with grace and mercy. Let healing and redemption find searching souls. Lord, have your way. We humbly pray. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. It's a holy house of prayer. This is your house, this is your house, Lord come and dwell, oh we dedicate this temple to Let your glory fill 
this sanctuary be enthroned on the praises of your people Lord we agree This is your house, Father, come and dwell. This is your house, a holy house of prayer, where the lost and the lonely bring their burdens and is your house this is your 